Hey everyone, welcome to the Weekly Catch-Up Podcast. It's Wednesday, November 13th, 2019. I'm your host, Carson Gibbons, and here with me kicking off episode number seven is my good friend, B-Rad. What's going on, man? What's up, B-Rad? I'm happy to be here. Seven episodes in, baby. Mm, and we're feeling good. Yeah, we just tried to record our first trailer for the show. That was an interesting process. It was a flop. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll see if we can hobble it together later, but yeah, Anchor is just... They keep rolling out new stuff. They, they posted a big Medium article this week with a YouTube tutorial and all of this stuff on making a trailer for your podcast, essentially. Yeah, I think there's some great ideas. They just got to work out the kinks a little bit. Yeah, because it, it seemed to only be available via the mobile app and not not available via like the web. Right, and the upload's kind of glitching out a little bit, but I'm sure they'll get there. I didn't know if that was a strategy to just like provide more mobile adoption, or I wonder what percentage of podcasts are actually just taped on a, a phone, for instance, versus a computer. Yeah, I have no idea. That's Or a mixing board, obviously, mm. if you're like at Rogan status or whatever. I'm sure at this point, quite a few people are. Um, I was hearing about Bill Burr's uh, first podcasts. Like, he was doing podcasts since before podcasts were available through Apple, yeah. iTunes. And what he would do is he would basically just call someone and like leave a voicemail. <laughs> and he would just rant for like an hour. And then he would harvest that for his podcast. Wow. So he's been just talking into the phone like a madman for years. Yeah, that seems like his personality. Uh, I, I don't know if we talked about this already, but did you see that he and... Um, um, Burt Kreischer are doing a podcast together. I did not. On uh, All Things Comedy, I believe is the, uh, it's like a YouTube, um, it's like a YouTube channel that has all the different playlists and what they've done is they've built this huge following and so they'll get people like Bill Burr and Burt Kreischer to like partner up and do a podcast exclusively for that network and then they leverage it for that audience. I will definitely be tuning into that. Yeah. I don't know. I think Burt Kreischer is hilarious because I watched Two Bears, One Cave. And uh, I, I know you're not big up on those podcasts, no. but um, they just did Sober October, you know, okay. him and the right, whole right, right. Rogan crew. And so as a result, you know that Tom Segura's wife, Christina Pajinski, she's a stand up as well. Yes. And so they do uh, Your Mom's House together. Well, she started doing a podcast with Leanne Kreischer, Burt's oh. wife. And it was so over October. Love it. (laughs) And so it was the wives' reactions to their men being sober all month. Okay. And so, like, (laughs) the last two or three episodes of Two Bears, One Cave, Bert has said some, like, downright crazy things about Leanne. He's like, yeah, can I get, like, a a restraining order against her for this podcast? Like, can we boot her off of there? Because... I mean, I want her to be quiet and back in the kitchen, like, because she apparently has just ripped him a new one and like okay. really blown up his spot. Yeah. And where other people will let him slide, like, oh yeah, Bert's just a good time; he's not an alcoholic or whatever. Yeah, she's not. Having she's it. like, yeah, no, you should. Here's his real stories. Like, she doesn't hold back on. I like that. You know, he he bathes once a week in the pool and brushes his teeth twice a week, and yeah. like she doesn't really hold back. So it, it's been pretty funny some of the stuff that he said about her. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Because Two Bears, One Cave is definitely the podcast where both of those guys uh, let their hair down a lot. Um, They take both of them much less seriously than their individual ones. Right. But speaking of uh, new services and aggregators and channels and all of this, big news of the week, Disney Plus. Yes, Disney Plus. That was on uh, one of my notes as well. Um, I 
am an owner of Disney Plus now, I'm, or a subscriber. I now have <laughs> You're like, Disney I Plus. own it. Yeah. For <laughs> so uh, the simple price of six ninety nine per month, Brad owns Disney. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? It was a long time coming, you know. Watched a lot of Boys Meet Boy Meets World. <laughs> no shade, but we own you now. <laughs> <laughs> no shade, and we hate you. <laughs> and we hate you. Um. Yeah. So Disney Plus off to somewhat of a rocky Glitchy start. start. Yeah. Um, I definitely had trouble logging in at first and that was frustrating. And, um, I talked with some of my students who also are subscribers now and they were saying that they had some of the same issues, but I checked it out, uh, yesterday, um, after work, the first day. Yeah. Yesterday was the first so, day. So yeah. So let me retract that. I started in the morning. It was not working, but once I got off work, um, I didn't have any issues with it. So Maybe it's been resolved. I don't know if some people are still dealing with some of the glitches or not. But, uh, well... It sounded like it had stabilized. Yeah, and I have more to talk about, but it's kind of like branching off into other stuff too. So I didn't know if you wanted to shed any of uh, your thoughts on Disney Plus before I speak. No, I I saw developers within my network uh, tweeting about it and how apparently the Disney devs had put out... uh, not an apology, but like a status update of sorts, like a systems update in code uh, format. And I saw a lot of like love for that because we all know that with any type of like software product, it's going to go down. Like it's going to have deprecated availability from time to time. And just as long as people don't lose work or anything like that. But yeah, the big takeaways for me were that uh, they stabilized it. They have 10 million subscribers overnight. Uh, so they generated what you know, sixty or eighty million dollar a month, um, kind of monthly recurring revenue already for the service. So just to like break it down, th- this is crazy from a kind of a startup perspective. Which obviously this isn't necessarily a startup, but it's a new product. Yeah, like a new brand. And for them to launch this for it's seven dollars a month, yes. and they get ten million subscribers. So that's seventy million dollars in monthly recurring revenue. Or you could get you could opt for their premium plan, which is uh, thirteen ninety nine a month, where you also get Hulu and ESPN Plus. Okay, so let's just say that it's seventy million per month times twelve. That's eight hundred and forty million uh, ARR. So on day one of this new product being launched, normally these products will sell a lot of times for like a times ten valuation. Right. So that would be like what? Oh, I don't even know. Uh, 840 million, 10 times over. <laughs> 8.4 billion? I don't know, man. Okay, well, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my, I, I feel basic algebra, so. Yeah, my iPhone calculator doesn't go up that high, but that is just crazy because when you're launching new software products, you're, like, you're just trying to get to 100 million in annual recurring revenue because that would basically make you a, a billion dollar company. Right. Um, whenever you're acquired or whatever the case may be, billion dollar unicorn. So they've already surpassed that uh, heavily. It would be eight point four billion then. Yeah, that's insane. That's impressive. I wouldn't say surprising, but that's definitely an impre- that's an impressive number. Uh, I also have more thoughts about the launch, but they are a completely different tangent. So okay, why don't so you I'm going to go ahead and start with mine. Okay. Um, I was reading today. So our other streaming platforms. Um, you know, we're talking about Netflix and then also coming in May is HBO Max. We talked about them previously. They had gained the rights to the TV series Friends. Um, but Netflix, it was announced uh, they have partnered today with Nickelodeon 
And so just, you know, Disney uh, Plus is... I did see that. Yeah, so Disney Plus is going to have all the Disney shows, obviously. Um, Netflix is gaining all the Nickelodeon shows. And then HBO Max is going to be partnering with uh, Cartoon Network. And so you have those three big like childhood networks that, you know, we all grew up on in the 90s. And uh, each of these streaming platforms has partnered with one of them. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I I read I saw on Twitter today as well that um, Netflix had signed with uh, Nickelodeon. Yeah, Uh, that that's what we were just discussing. Right. Right. Um, the, The thing that struck me about that press release and kind of go to market there was that the amount of like original content that they are planning on producing and creating like in the future it's not just leveraging like disney plus's entry seemed very much like hey here's all the old snow white movies and cinderella from the vault yeah Yeah. um which we'll get into that tangent in a second but yeah i just thought that was interesting like they weren't only harvesting the the database of shows from nickelodeon but i was also what shows did we watch on nickelodeon i mean you have like drake and josh i mean if you go way back like I probably wouldn't watch it now, but I was really big into like Rugrats whenever I was a kid. So if like you're a parent that's wanting to show some of your kids like some old TV series that you used to watch, you might get something out of that. Um, But again, I was more of a Disney and Cartoon Network fan than I was Nickelodeon. So that's not a huge deal to me. Um, But I thought HBO Max was really interesting because Cartoon Network always aired like a bunch of the DC Comics uh, cartoons like Batman spider-man justice league different things like that and now for um hbo max they you know they've already partnered with dc comics to make original content with them and now they're going to have all the old uh dc cartoons and everything that used to be on cartoon network alongside with all of their other original shows as well i just remember nickelodeon for all the like green slime shows or yeah whatever. exactly uh, all, the all those little game shows shows they would always slime yeah, everyone slime time yeah that was the 90s was that green uh-huh. slime everywhere <laughs> yep that's about right but yeah i don't i don't think i was a huge consumer of nickelodeon growing up like i there were different periods where i would watch like a lot of oldies programs like um leave it to beaver andy griffith okay. Uh, the Waltons. So we need to get you like the Turner Classic subscription. <laughs> yeah, Hallmark. Yeah. TV Land. TV Little Land. Little House on the Prairie. I've always loved TV Land. Love Little oh, House on the Prairie. Did. Love Little I House. Um, but then I also watched like Franklin the Turtle, Madeline, Arthur, yeah. Magic School Bus. Okay, so PBS. A lot of PBS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else. A lot of sports. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we were like, what, 10? I remember we were watching like American Idol and The Apprentice and stuff right. like that a lot. Yeah. Um, like the family would get together for reality TV mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s. Yeah, type Survivor deal. was a huge deal. We never got into that. No. no. Um, okay, so let's get back to Disney real quick because right, hit me. today, um, <laughs> I guess the the SJWs already got you know <laughs> they already got their their bait for the week or whatever. But um, Disney has this flag on some of these programs that mm-hmm. is basically like. This may contain outdated cultural, uh, what was the word? Impressions or um, characterizations? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that as well. I was reading about how all the hyenas in the Lion King are apparently right. one race, right. and you know the. Do you have more details on this? Um, you, I briefly glanced. At I this. also read about you know like the Jungle Book being like, "Don't ever stray from your pack." Like, yes, in times of strife, stick with your pack was the message of Jungle Book, and I was yeah, like, I don't remember I don't, that. I don't recall. There's that only at all. one main character from each animal group, right. and we all know Timon was was no Timon was in Lion, that King? Was Lion King. Okay, never mind. 
keep yeah. going. Anyway, no, I, I, but I was reading the same thing. just that um, Disney has a bunch of these old, old um, different movies that apparently have like a lot of uh, racist content. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you could be racist without even having a person. <laughs> well, I mean, if it be, okay, so I did read this in Dumb and Dumbo, right? The one with the elephant with the big ears. What was bad about that one? Well, apparently there were these crows that were <laughs> that were singing, and one of the crows' names was actually Jim Crow, and it was a r- racial depiction of African Americans. Wait, I thought the singer or the voiceover for that crow. I thought his name was Jim Crow. I thought that it was like an ironic behind the scenes thing. I didn't know that it was spelled out in the movie Dumbo that his name is Jim Crow. I'm pretty sure. No way. Pretty sure. What year is that movie? Old. (laughs) Yo, old enough to be racist. That had to. When that first came out, when parents are. Think about it. Um, Parents are taking their kids to see Dumbo and then there's white parents, Jim Crow, the crow. And at that time, whenever that movie came out, I'm sure that they're like, this is pretty, this is pretty edgy humor. Uh, I don't think (laughs) it's going to be edgy. I don't think that's that's normalcy for them. I don't know. I mean, I would, I would assume. Well, no, you have to think think that content back then, but it had Dumbo came out when Um, I'm going to look this up because if it was 20 years after, um, kind of segregation ended and Jim yeah, Crow and all that had kind of like died down, uh, then it would have been... Because, you know, we laugh about things that our parents might have experienced as more normal. Now we laugh about that, like, oh, how antiquated. Right. Um, oh, apparently there's a new one, March 29, 2019. When was the original Yeah, one? that one flopped, by the way. So while Carson... That's a Tim Burton movie. A, that dude is yeah. so weird. Yeah. He oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. Never mind. The film is a live-action reimagining of Walt Disney's 1941 there animated you go. film. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, it doesn't shock me at all. Totally different scenario there. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, this isn't like a 90s. I mean, not wait, that I would be shocked if there was something racist in one of the 90s films, but this was this is a much older film. Well, the way that we were raised, where they were always telling us to look for the conspiracy in the the animated film, it was always like the who was it? The mermaid chick. Uh, she had penis spires. Yeah, the... they were always there was always like hidden sexual images. Yeah, yeah, and I like mean, Illuminati so images. We were, yeah, so we were never really, I guess, focusing on um, any chance of there being racial content. Yeah, <laughs> we were just like kids that are like, just, oh man, like <laughs> look for the appendage. Yeah, mountains that look like breasts. <laughs> like I don't know. that mountain range there <laughs> yeah when we went when we were in college i remember i'll never forget you deleting your entire music like library yeah, because we got guilt trip we had and the guys that came to the college and did all this they were cool dudes i, I don't know if they were just co-opted into some kind of radical ideology because I looking back it. anybody with like final cut pro and a youtube channel could have put together the propaganda that we were fed about basically all of mainstream music being a direct result of having sold your soul to the devil and being an, a member of the uh, Illuminati. Yeah, Illuminati, uh, particularly Jay-Z. Yeah. Um, and like they talked about all these music videos with uh, goat, goat heads. heads. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like you always got to look for the goat head because, you know, that's like they're worshiping Satan. And it's like a lot of these rappers like have nothing to do with the making of their video. And like, 
I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm coming across as naive and like, I, I know some of them are intentional. However, just like within the mainstream, you know, and some of the rappers might've even heard that, but they know that it's going to garner like a lot of attention. And so they might just put it in there for that sake. Not that they actually sold their soul to soul to the devil, but they know it's going to make headlines. A hundred percent. And I would argue that in retrospect, like when you're looking back at your life, the more naive thing was probably deleting your entire, you were the guy on campus with the music. Like I'm going to be honest. I mean, hopefully this, maybe our podcast doesn't need to garner a lot of attention because um, I'll just say I downloaded a lot of my music off of LimeWire. So it's not like I wasted a bunch of money or anything, but yeah, I had thousands and thousands of songs on my iTunes playlist. I mean, I talked to you guys last week about how I curate playlists on Spotify and it's made it a lot easier. But back in the day, like I had all those playlists on uh, my iTunes and, you know, I'd be burning CDs, mixing them for everybody. And I'd always come to you and like get the new rap or the new, you know, referral. And I'll never forget going to your room. Cause you were like, you were down the hall on the third floor, right? Yes, yeah. So you were down the hall and I come over and you were like, yeah, I deleted it all, man. And I was, all of it, all of my Kanye. And you, you were making me albums. And yeah. You had all the good, good. And yeah. you just deleted all of it in one fell swoop. Yeah. Like after, right after that meeting, but I immediately, but there was room. a series of meetings. I feel like they took up multiple assemblies and they, they got me in one. <laughs> I was a convert for like a week, dude. Call, small college campuses are preyed upon by, not only conspiracy theorists, but also um, the the Amway people, like uh, multi-level marketing. Like, you, what was your health? <laughs> that, oh, my goodness. That shake and protein company came through town, and, like, the one guy had an Audi, and next thing you know, everybody's dressing in, like, your health T-shirts. Yeah, and- I'm not going to – okay, I have a story about this. I, I'm not going to share a name because I know – like a lot of people that listen to this podcast are going to know this guy. No shade, but Brad hates that. <laughs> no person. shade, but it, it it infuriated me. I was just chilling in my dorm room. Said person calls me on my phone and he's like, "Hey, man," and I'm like, "Like I didn't even know he had my phone number to be honest." I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" He's like, "You want to make some quick money?" And I said, "You bet I do." <laughs> like, what's up? He's like, "Okay, I'm gonna swing by in five. I'm like, "Okay," and like, you know, I'm a well, was a freshman, sophomore in college. Of course, I wanted to make some money. Um, so I didn't I didn't ask for any details or anything. He texts me saying that he's there. I go down uh, the, the dorm stairs and walk, walk out the building, hop in his car. And we're in. He's like, all right, man, we're, what were you about to say? <laughs> well, it sounds like a heroin drop or something. But did he say, hey, man, or did he go, yo, bro? <laughs> uh, we're, I think we're thinking of uh, I'm thinking of that guy's friend. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, same crew, same crew. Um, but he picks me up in his car and he's like, hey, man, we got to stop by uh, my parents' house. I said, all right. That's where the drugs are. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the parents' house. He's like, all right, man, come on inside. So I walk in the door. His dad's there and uh, hands me a notepad and a pen. His dad does? Yes. His, yeah. And I continue walking like through their hallway into their living room and they have a PowerPoint presentation set up. And they're just like, all right, man, uh, be sure to take notes. And if you have any questions at the end, just let us know. And they go into this huge spiel about your health and how it's not a pyramid scheme, but it's clearly a pyramid scheme. And um, they're like, okay, so all you got to do is like drop 500 bucks to begin with. And I'm like, dude, I came here to make money. I don't have $500 to give. Like, what are you thinking? And uh, I, yeah, 
You sound like you were kind of irate with him. I yeah, I was. That's that's bull. Um, yeah, those people were. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the first guy in actually made some stuff, but I think unless you're like in the first fifty or hundred people, yeah. One of those, if you, if you were really in a ground level, awesome. Like, and I know some of them did make some money, but I know the person that you know tried to recruit me is no longer doing it. So you know. Oh, he I, didn't. He didn't retire at thirty, like he said we all would. He didn't retire at thirty with <laughs> passive income no. out the butt. No, sir. <laughs> yeah, I love seeing like the girls that got co-opted by it. It works or one of these MLMs, and it's like a year of like come to my party where we're going to be doing facials and all of this stuff and like belly wraps or whatever it is, and then a year later it's like. To anyone who was scammed like me and so many others, you know, let's <laughs> let's all meet at the mall right. and do this march, you know, like, <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. At the same time, I've been in Fort Worth, like, you know, down near Sundance, near the uh, convention center, whenever I think it was Advocare was having like one of their cult rallies there. And there was yeah. probably 20,000 people in Advocare shirts there. Hmm. Interesting. Um, hey, before we move any further... We totally forgot to acknowledge the fact that we're both sick as dogs. Um, yeah. If we sound super nasally or congested or, or just, sexy <laughs> <laughs> or like we're on the golden age of radio, baby. That's right. You are now tuning in to the weekly catch up. Uh, <laughs> it's because we're NyQuil out. Who is that jazz? Who is the woman? Delilah. Yeah. 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 Well, well you, you had an impression of her back in the day, right? I don't think <laughs> Was she I on 1037 or... Um, I don't know. I thought it was mix one oh two nine, but I could be wrong. Oh yeah, she was the really peaceful like nighttime yeah. girl. Uh, I'm thinking about what was like one oh five seven smooth jazz, or it was like the Oasis or something. I don't know, man. You're a lot cooler than me. I wasn't listening <laughs> to that station. Well, I wasn't either, but my dad was. He oh, would okay. always listen to. Well, this. he actually is a cool guy. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't didn't mean oh, to. Oh <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad. I um. I kind of abused him on, we played golf this last Friday and then we had lunch together for other reasons on Monday with a couple other guys, but I had to apologize to him when he got to lunch on Monday. I was like, I'm so sorry for being such a pill on Friday because he had, he had met me up North so that we could play golf and we had to exchange some stuff. And, um, so he'd gone into the clubhouse to like, you know, get our round, get the, the cart, all that stuff. And I just went and started putting, getting ready. He picked me up and we start headed out to the the first hole. And I was like, any notes from the clubhouse? And he goes, nope, nope, we're just good to go. So we go to the the first tee and I hadn't hit any practice balls whatsoever. I mm-hmm. felt kind of rushed. I had just come from another lunch that I was trying to squeeze in and just kind of had a rush week last week with all the interviews and whatnot. Right. And so I hadn't hit any practice balls. I hit my first drive and it actually works out really nicely. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so right after I hit my ball, which is like beautifully placed right down the fairway by the stick, you know, ready for a nice chip in and ultimate birdie <laughs> in my dreams. Um, this cart screeches up behind us and they're like, You guys going off of one? And we're like, Yeah. And they're like, Teen off of nine today. <laughs> you gotta start at nine, not one. So I just look at my dad. I'm like piercing arrows through him. So it, it's set up to where I can't even go retrieve the ball because we'd be in their direct line of fire and we had to go the opposite direction. So we go. There's a senior playing alone right in front of us. Like mm. what looked to be a wide open course turned into a congested course. 
I do not hit the same shot off the ninth tee <laughs> that I hit off the first tee. Mm, <laughs> so you're teaming. I, I'm just starting to seethe. Um, and then he gets a call. Uh, like I tee off on a hole probably six holes later, and I he gets a call, and he just takes the call on the tee box. And he's an important man. He absolutely. And that's what my mother reminded me. She was like, uh, honey, if, if he's going to golf with you during business hours, she was like, you know, you or anybody would take a money call. That's and I right. was like, I know. But um, he just with everything going on, with everything going on, with me being a, a natural pill, you know, rolling out of bed. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he continues having this phone call. Just with his ball teed up and everything, he continues having this Is call. Is he holding the phone like with his uh, yes. shoulder? No, he's holding it with his hand. Oh. <laughs> he's holding it with his hand. Okay. And he, the club is laid down next to the teed up ball. And he's letting other groups play through. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm freaking out. Because normally I'm overtaking groups and playing through them. Right. And, you know, the, with the time change, we're about to battle that. It's a little bit chilly. Anywho, um, long story short. The phone call was had. Uh, we ended up abandoning the course after a couple couple more holes. Yeah. Yeah. So I apologized to him. That's and, good, as you should. Yeah. He was gracious enough to accept my apology. Yeah. So long story short, we're feeling a bit under the weather. And yeah. uh, we're going to power through it. Yeah. I'm on NyQuil day two today. I haven't right. taken it today. I'm going to start tonight. Last night, I definitely took it. And then, yeah, that cold weather just hit abruptly, like a punch in the face. Yeah, man. It's pretty I, disrespectful, honestly. Well, it, it just, it, it's weird because Sunday it was 74 degrees and then Monday it was 24 degrees. Yeah, frigid. And then I woke up Tuesday morning. I realized that I had an 8 a.m. meeting like off site. Like I had to go over to McKinney in Uptown mm-hmm. and I was going to the WeWork over there to meet uh, a CEO and it was at 8 a.m. And I wake up, mm-hmm. it's 20 degrees. Yeah. So my pipes are all frozen. I go to uh, turn on the shower, get some hot water. It's ice cold Oof. for like 30 minutes. That's not a good way to start the day. So I end up just like, <laughs> I'm like naked standing next to the shower. I just dunk my head in. I shampoo my head like I'm at a salon <laughs> and I'm like literally hyperven. I'm like, oh, 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 you know, yeah. I have to take breaks, like getting the shampoo out because I'm, I'm freezing. <laughs> it is ice cold. So I, I kind of do my little half prison shower there and dry off. I get, I get ready to go. And this place, I didn't know what the parking situation was going to be like. So I'm just going to Uber. It's like seven 40. I have to be there at eight. The Uber they weren't circling like they normally were. It was going to be like another 10 or 15 minutes before the Uber got to me. Okay. And I was like, what is going on? So I just drive over there and it's just frigid out. Um, Did I see you uh, tweet out that you finally turned on your heater? Yeah. That day when I got back, okay, that's what I thought I was just, I think so cold from the shower and having, you know, I I had a beautiful coffee, two hour coffee with uh, this gentleman, a really exciting opportunity um, for sure. But we work at 1920 McKinney Avenue has this awesome view of the city and like the building next to it, the roof is like slightly uh, lower, at least portions of it. So it's got like the solar panel AstroTurf. So it looks like a park on top of the buildings. And it, it's definitely a great view, especially for the sunrise. Nice. But um, yeah, long story short, he had walked to work and he was just frigid. Mm-hmm. He met me in the lobby. And um, so I got back home and finally just turned on the AC because I looked at the thermostat and it was showing that it was like, probably between 49 and 54 in the apartment. 
And I like it about 55, 58 oh, yeah. whenever I can. But I had to turn on the uh, the heater a little bit for that. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I thought it warranted a tweet just because it's cold out there. Yeah, man. Um, and it's bipolar. All right. What do you, what else do you got on the docket? <laughs> Are you like already referring to the list here? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just <laughs> the keeping show this ball rolling. Yeah, man. Uh, so I spent the last week like heavily interviewing. Um all different stages have a whole spreadsheet of opportunities going on and already uh, secured a couple of uh, it, it's been funny. Actually, I before I hopped on an interview last week, uh, I was texting back and forth with the point of contact that I was doing the interview with okay. or the debrief from another interview. And he goes, uh, I texted him because I said, hey, I'm my old meeting or my uh, original meeting is running five minutes over. I'll call you at nine oh five instead of nine. And he's like, "No problem. I'm just listening to your podcast." And I was like, "No, oh, man. like don't do that." <laughs> and so we get on the call, and he's like, "No, man. I thought it was great. Like you, you're a great host, and it seems like a well produced podcast." Like, and he said, "Matter of fact, like I think that we should do a podcast for our product sometime." Oh, there you go. So I'm like, "All right, <laughs> don't listen sure, past man. the five minutes." You know, <laughs> not that we're doing anything that I'm not proud of, but. Yeah. I think that uh, definitely in the startup sphere and the sales sphere, yeah. um, you know, this is I mean, like we, a totally personal project exactly. at this point it's that like I'm not afraid to audience. talk about business or whatever, but I'm also not trying to like drive more ROI to your bottom line or anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny, but lots of heavy interviewing, uh, got some opportunities both in Dallas as well as kind of bi-coastal, okay. San Francisco, New York, and um so I've been playing, it's been funny, I've been playing with the uh, California uh, paycheck calculator versus the Texas paycheck calculator. Mm. So you can go just Google this and like plug it in and essentially you have to make a lot more money in California <laughs> oh, to get yeah, the same really. take home. Uh, but it seemed like in Dallas for the the quantities or the, the amount of salary that I was putting in, it seemed like they were taking about 17 or 18% for that top, uh, like the tax situation, but California conversely was doing like 27%. Hmm. It was like consistently 10% higher because of everything else. And right. Anyway. Um, so Texas, baby. Yeah. I mean, Texas is, it's difficult, right? Because the opportunities in Silicon Valley, it's like, even if you go over there and you flame out with like the first opportunity that's given to you, like there's ample opportunities everywhere you look. Right. VCs are handing out money to, you know, these innovative startups who always need somebody. Um, that being said, like, I'm obviously looking for longevity, purpose, some stability, and, you know, the ability to be very impactful with my next role. And I don't think that happens with something like a fly-by-night eight-month stint that I put on LinkedIn and that gets me to the next hurdle. You know, yeah. like, I want the next thing to be something that I look back on with, you know, pride and fondness right. and all of that. And so, yeah, I think that I think that I have an opportunity that does that in both markets right now that, you know, we're just with, with these types of jobs, like we're getting done with like round two of interviews and whatnot. And it's like we're both saying to each other, like, where do we go from here? Like, yeah. how do you want to handle this? And I'm like, well, I want to meet the team. Like, I want to get on a demo where I'm a disgruntled, you know, potential customer that doesn't understand the value that you're trying to bring and you pitch me. So that I understand either what I have to work with or what we need to optimize or, you know, it's different for every role. Yeah. But it's just interesting as you kind of formulate next steps and take different things into account. Like, okay, this, this Cali role could pay this amount with 
this you know minuscule amount of equity and this Dallas startup is offering more equity and a comparable you know living situation because you know in some ways a hundred thousand in Dallas is like you know a hundred and sixty hundred and seventy yeah, in exactly. California exactly so I don't know man uh, more to come on all of that um, that was definitely top of my show notes just because I've been in so many of those and it's been a, a great opportunity I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. gotten a lot of good feedback on that article that I had done and, um, yeah, just, it, it's nice to be kind of validated for the packaging that I've adopted coming out of the startup world. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're no doubt in like a great position to kind of just go any direction that you want. Um, actually on my way here, I was talking with my dad on the phone and, you know, he's been tuning into these podcasts and everything. He's like, shout out dad. Yeah. So he's like, how's uh how's Carson doing with the job hunt like you know has he has he got any more bites and I'm like well you know like you and I typically wait like I just found out everything that you just said right now because you know we we wait for the podcast so I'm not hearing it twice over um but even before hearing that I told him I was like you know he's fine like he he gets to be pickier because he's so you know professional and talented in what he does and so uh oh Brad yeah man shucks yeah um no I mean I think that there were low key. Oh, how far are we into this episode? Thirty three minutes. I don't want anybody professional hearing <laughs> this, but yeah, there's insecurities that come out of different uh, points of your professional career. Sometimes you get knocked down, and so it, it's definitely validating to uh, have different teams that are, you know, trying to move quickly. <laughs> like, yeah. I got out of a conversation a couple of days ago, and I was telling them about other imminent opportunities, and they were saying, "Well." if that does materialize this week, if you could push them out a week so that we could spend a half day together, we want to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I I sit back and I realize like, wow, like people think that I can make an impact. And it's, it's really incumbent on me to be honest about which product excites me and I can really harness some emotional energy around. And it's just, it's difficult, um, kind of trying to pick which horse is going to win the race because, all these horses are at different stages of the race. Yeah. And you're no doubt talented to, you know, do whichever route you take. It's just a matter of which one's going to excite you whenever you wake up in the morning and which one are you going to be like thrilled to work at? Cause no doubt you'll do an excellent job for any of these. Like, I don't even know what they are, but just knowing you and your work ethic, um, I know that you'll be able to, you know, just go out there and crush it, but just, in in the past, whenever, you know, I've heard you talk about jobs, like there's definitely some that have been um, more exciting for you than others. And it's just cool to to hear you talk about all those ones that, you know, your eyes just light up talking about them. So, yeah, and I don't really have the liquid wealth, you know, here at the end of my 20s. I turn 30 next Wednesday. Yes, sir. So episode eight will be my dirty 30. <laughs> Woo! Um, but coming out of my 20s, you know, I guess that, like, let's be honest, like, do I want to already be like a liquid gajillionaire? Yes, of course. Am I? No, not at all. But I was talking to a friend the other day and I was saying, wow, like with my next job, which all of these jobs that I'm interviewing for have some element of an equity stake in them, most likely. Um, I was like, with my next job, I'll have equity in three different companies, three different startups. Yeah. Like I'm already on my way to building, you know what I want, which I've discussed this with our friend Heston Williams at length, you know, the ultimate goal in life is to have a big boys and girls club 
you know, like yeah. a, a big office house that has a podcast studio and ping pong tables and a golf simulator yeah. that we make investments out of, that we launch new charities out of, that we check in with entrepreneurs and creatives. And it's like a an accelerator. Uh, it's like an accelerator we work for people that we came to like organically in life i love that and i'm just gonna be chilling in the corner with my yeah, apple music uh, curating you'll you know, be radio station yeah that's right absolutely i'm about it because that i've always thought that you were um way more creative than any of your job titles lend you to believe like we were talking to, i was talking about this with a couple of friends the other day and they were asking about kind of like your immediate trajectory and all of this stuff and yeah you know, I, I had to admit to them, and this was behind your back. This wasn't, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but I, I said to them, I'm like, oftentimes I think that the vision that I have for Brad is a different one than he has immediately charted for himself. Because on the one hand, I'm like, these kids are ultra lucky to be getting you as their teacher. Yeah. Because I, I definitely feel like you could do anything else and everything else. And sometimes things that are more publicly visible, like, mm -hmm gifts to share, you know, I've just always been un under that impression. And so I was super excited to kind of land you for this podcast, you know, however many episodes we do, however long we do it, I was just excited to publish something that we did together and like lock down a piece of your talent. Cause I've always oh, said wow. I wanted to be your Ari and wanted to be your agent. That's right. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously if you end up being a, a married teacher, homeowner, um, good, <laughs> Sabbath going church walker, whatever, whatever you want to be, uh, is, is great for you. But with the curation and all of that, if I had the capital, if we were already sitting on $50 million that we could invest, like I would want to grab you and like give you a budget to create this team that did whatever you thought you should do in the incubator for six months. That's right. And man. then we figure out how to monetize that kind of thing later. But yeah. That would be the ultimate type of dream because there's so many people that I'm like, hey, you should do like, I don't know what you should do. <laughs> I, I can't chart. I'm, I'm relying on you to come up with those ideas and then let me know about them because I don't necessarily have good ideas on my own. <laughs> like, right. I just know you how make to it happen. You make things happen. Well, I'm inquisitive and I want to grill you on your idea and like, right. okay, well, how could we do that? Where, where would that go? But I tweeted out the other day, like the best way to the best way to start a project with somebody is to start the project and then they'll see it and ask you to join the project, right. you know, rather than you having to ask them. And so, yeah, I don't know. And here we are. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, I mean, you know, I said all those nice things about you just so, you know, you would say some about me. So I'm glad that worked out. Well, no, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I'm just deflecting but I appreciate the compliments. Well, and I think it's just part of my personality that people with a lot of like amazing intrinsic worth and creative capabilities. I think sometimes I'm uncomfortable with if they don't get millions of followers or if, you know, it's like if, if nobody knows about this or not enough people know about this, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. And I think that that's a numbers game. I think that that's immature on my part to a certain extent. Um, had a little audio scare there for a minute. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I, I appreciate the kind words and, I, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna go our paths and, you know, figure it out whether I'm still teaching down the road. I mean, that's a 
that's a big possibility. Um, I, I do feel like I'm making a difference in that regard, and I do love that. But there also is that creative aspect, uh, you know, just writing or or putting on, people on to new music or, you know, you know, the potentially find like I think it would be cool to even like go out there and find new artists and, you know, like having like a record label. I'm kind of against record labels because I feel like they cheat artists out of their money. But it would be cool to like discover new musicians and like shed light on them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe some of this uh, trajectory that you've already experienced, you've already been courted by the collegiate level and and yeah, beyond. Right. I think maybe some of those additional capabilities to not just be in the classroom as many days a year as you are, maybe that comes at the collegiate level when you're Professor Bradley Colvin mm. and you're also writing an op-ed or you have a more high profile podcast. Like think about the number of professors and things like that on MSNBC or yeah. on podcasts on the Sunday morning news, or even like on some sort of CNN documentary talking about uh, culture or whatever. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. Have you ever had thoughts of writing a book? Oh yeah. Um, what, what type would you write if you were starting out? I don't know. Um, I've all, I've started many different types of stories. Um, but I tend to have a short attention span whenever it comes to writing. That's, that's another reason why I typically have written poetry in the past. It's just because I can really like delve deep into one thought and then I write that and then it's over with and I don't have to worry about it. Um, so I, you know, as far as like writing an actual book or novel, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I'm a hopeless romantic, so I'd have to deal with, uh, probably something in that regard, but, uh, who knows, man, who knows the sky is the limit. Yeah. I don't think at this point in my life I could ever write fiction and have it be any good. I think that if I were to ever write a book, I feel like it would be like my time with X, you know what I mean? Like, you know, whether it's I'm associated with the future president or yeah. the CEO of some mega corporation or, or whatever it is. And maybe, you know, in some ways it's like, well, maybe the story should be about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, my time is myself. I could see, I could see you writing a book. Um, so Judd Apatow, you know, famous. Yeah. I'm well aware of him. Yeah. I, I don't know that I love him right now. Well, that's fine. Cause of all his attacks on standups. And didn't he, come down on dave um he somebody? may have well i know he i mean he's he's mostly just come down on bill Plus cosby stand up right, sucks so. his stand-up wasn't very good that's not the point <laughs> sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry i compared you to him i still respect him <laughs> um but he has a book where it's just him interviewing other comedians and just you know gaining insight from you know everything that they've gone through you know whether it's uh, just like how they got their start and uh you know delving into different comedy bits and different stuff like that and i could definitely see you um even if it's not in the comedy sphere uh, interviewing others and, and just being able to ask them the right questions uh for the public to gain more knowledge about their lives oh for sure i think that's a longer term aspiration to just have you know free format joe rogan style type interviews where you know, the, the draw uh, of the audience will get, you know, higher caliber people every single time that I'm intrigued and fascinated to discuss things with. But I think that books are just another channel or medium because think about it, like with this podcast, this is episode seven. I think that we'll probably eclipse like the 10 hours of content mark with this episode. Yeah. Um, God willing, <laughs> but think about it. 
think about the last audio book that you consumed. Like I bet it was probably sub 12 hours. Yes. So if you were to transcribe this podcast, which has had some, some lighthearted moments and some very deep, insightful, you know, seeking conversations, yeah. if you were to transcribe that, put a nice little, you know, uh, jacket around it, have a forward by somebody that we know and respect and a nice little picture of us standing back to back with our mm. <laughs> hands crossed or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's a book. You know, this is an argument that I've had with my dad sometimes because um, he'll list in like the qualifying characteristics of somebody that you're about to meet. Uh-huh. We have a different way of qualifying meetings that we're going to take. Um, and so sometimes he'll list as like kind of a character reference or an additional reason that somebody might be important. He's like, well, we've they wrote a book. And yeah. I'm like, dad, so did you. <laughs> like, everybody can write a well, book. I mean, yeah, but people should be taking meetings with him as well. So no, absolutely. But. At the same time, like I want him to, and this is just the maniacal portion of me, the sales driven portion of me, but you know, I don't want him to uh, look up to anybody that's written a book just because they wrote a book. You right. know what I mean? Because it's more about what the book has garnered or like. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a New York Times bestseller and landed you on CNN, that's awesome. But if it was self published, if the you know, cover was done through 99 Designs and you sold like zero copies or something, yeah. um, that that's a different thing. I don't know, you know, like the democratization of everything where we yeah. can write books, we can crowdsource design and development efforts. We can do our own podcasts like, yeah, you know, I mean, this could branch off into another like long winded conversation. But uh, just as far as like ta- uh, who you decide to take meetings with, um, like time is such a valuable thing. And it's like, like you said, there are a lot of people who have written books. So like, why else should I give you a a piece of my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm more of a, uh, a, but when it comes to that now in my life, just because I fell prey to some of the, uh, the attractive lures early in my career. What where, do you mean? Well, um, if, yeah, I'll take you back, I guess, eight, nine years now. Mm. I was 21. I was fresh out of school. This is 2010, 2011, 2011. Um, May, uh, May or June, I started my first job out of school and it was something that my dad had hooked up and I, I actually was telling him about this the other day. I remember the, the principals of this agency saying something to the effect of, well, if he's anything like his dad, like, you know, he comes from such good stock. So like, he doesn't know anything right now, but <laughs> you know, just yeah. put it into his head and like, you know, he comes from such good genes, you know, right. essentially. And I'm like, okay, like. <laughs> Hope I don't let dad down on this right. one. Well, fast forward five months oh, and I'm tendering my resignation because I'm going to go make the big bucks at mm. this, at this agency where I'm having these hotel meetings and like, uh, you know, these nice dinner parties at these rich people's homes and everybody's got a Lamborghini and a Maserati. And wow, it was like, we were going out and courting all these people that were kind of, I, I remember the, the vibe from the agency principal that was trying to lure me away from my original job was he said, Carson the biggest people in the world aren't trying to let you know who they are. He was like, Mark Cuban isn't actively on LinkedIn trying to ask you for an endorsement or writing in a new skill. (laughs) He's like, we're going for the layer of people that are, they're they're too big for all that. Like, and I was like, Oh yeah, baby. Like that was, (laughs) he, he, he used to pay me to go to coffee with him where he would just teach me about, um, about power essentially like 
physical power. Like if I were to shake your hand and here, shake my hand, like we would literally do exercises. He'd pay me $15 an hour to go have coffee with him. And we would do a handshake 50 times and it would, you know, I need to get a good grip on you. I need to go ahead and grab your elbow like this. Don't grab too soon. Don't catch the fingers. Yeah. You need to be the one that gets the better grip, that grips the elbow that, you know, leans in that Joe Biden G a little bit like nice eye contact. Like it's the same concept as uh, my buddy Heston Williams gave me this pitch anything book, which is basically about institutional power uh, grappling, like within a, even a furniture scenario, like the old school CEO with the big desk and the elevated chair. And then you go and sit in the little sunken down chair. That's a power tactic. And so there's ways that you can, wrestled the power frame away from somebody and reframe it. Anyway, this guy was like tutoring me on that big time and would even show me footage of like famous people. Like Mm. the more I think about this, this is definitely going to be going in the book because he wasn't all wrong about some of this. Like he knew his stuff on certain things like influence. uh, You know, he was, he was lubricated. You know, he, I'll never forget like running into common on top of the pool at Zaza with this guy. And it was just like, yeah, we're out having drinks with common, you know, like that's crazy. It just different stuff. Like, of course, was everybody doing cocaine at that agency? Was it fake? Was it not on the books? Was there ever really a job there? No, no to any of that. It was a fledgling startup idea that didn't materialize. And I ended up at 21 sued by the original position for breach of contract for my non-compete. And I settled out of court with them to the tune of $5,000. So now I'm 21, no job. I have a $5,000 settlement on my hands and I had just signed for a brand new apartment. So I was screwed. Yeah. And that's when, why did we get on all this? Um, uh, we were just talking about uh, who you give your time to. And- oh, yeah. During that whole time, I was just enamored with like Dallas and Uptown and big cities and like, always running into Miles Austin and Elvis Andrus at Sfuzies and like, you know, seeing Owen Wilson out and like Dave Chappelle, Ryan Cabrera, like all right. these big people that were just so exciting. Um, I, I took a lot of meetings with people that wasted my time that didn't materialize in sales. And so now I'm ultra guarding of my time when those lures come into play. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, so he's associated with a professional baseball player. What does a professional baseball player know about this business, yeah. you know, arena that you're trying to enter? And so as I've gotten more judicious, mainly through failure, like mainly through bosses taking me aside and saying, Hey, I know that you got like your marketing points this week by taking that meeting, but are they going to have a qualified lead or a qualified order for you to make our company money with mm. in the next 90 days? If not, that wasn't really like a real priority for you to take that meeting right then. So really, it's just about measuring like your goals for your business or your organization or whatever you're trying to do and then being judicious about, okay, like maybe this meeting could have longer term beneficial effects. But if we're not tactically discussing something that moves my business or entity forward, you know, right this moment in a concerted effort, maybe it's not worthy of my time yet. It's going to be a no for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> you love that meme. Randy, dog. <laughs> Either that or the shark tank. Uh, and for that reason, I'm out. So I've, I've had a lot of discussions with my dad in particular about all of this type of thing. Uh, just as, you know, he's had his own company for the last 15 years or more. And as he, he's gotten to this position where even just kind of passively, the business is doing awesome. 
you know, like yeah. it's, he's always traveling with my mom. My mom also works with him, does an awesome job. And they've, they've really risen to this level of success that is great for them. You know, they don't, they're doing well. Um, and I guess they're at this point where it's kind of like, well, what does growth look like? Like, what does scaling this look like? You know, like we've mastered what, you know, an agent or two within this organization looks like. And now they're turning their efforts to recruitment and trying to scale their organization. And so sometimes when we have conversations, I'm having to kind of clarify, okay, what's the goal here? Um, and then let's take steps to yeah. get to that goal because, you know, technically they're, they're changing in some ways that they're evolving and they're growing in a dramatic fashion. And so sometimes the, the priority ladder from before may not be the same mm. once you start to scale and get employees and different things like that. And I mean, what am I even talking about? I'm not qualified to even discuss anything compared to my dad because he has an MBA. He's been in business for what, 30, 40 years at this point. Um, but the thing I did think about the other day that I hadn't really ever thought of was that I've always been in sales and he was, he was technically more client side for the first probably 20 years of his career. So he was using all of his analytical like MBA and interpersonal skills, obviously to do yeah. these higher level brokerage deals, but as the client, whereas I've always been the dude that was like, Hey, can I do that for you? Can right. I get that contract? Can I get that bid? Can I holler at you? <laughs> I've always had to be the sales guy. I've you got never, a boyfriend? what's your boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> what's his name? Can you I like, holler? You like Mike and Ike's? <laughs> you, you like Mike and Ike's? <laughs> I've always had to be that hungry dude. And so I made a lot of mistakes doing it and I still do obviously, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Just understanding, understanding what you bring to the table and, and qualifying leads and orders. I think that's been one of the biggest things that I've struggled with. And what I've seen other sales organizations struggle with is, you know, vanity metrics, things that don't actually matter when it comes to building up the bottom line of their organization. Mm. So anyway, um, We've, we've had some awesome discussions on that over the last couple of months. And so, yeah, part of the reason why we started this podcast in some ways was because he, he kind of forced my hand into it in some ways because he was doing the next level show for the last, uh, geez, like three years or more. Okay. Um, the next level show was on iHeartRadio. It was on Dallas AM. It was on podcast, you know, Stitcher, all that right, right, good right. stuff. But essentially he would interview CEOs that, you know, it was a very heavily produced show in that you had to be a referral into the show, essentially. Like, uh, he started it with this guy, uh, Stephen Nooner, that was in uh, EO, I think it's Entrepreneurs Organization or something like that, okay. um, which has very strict guidelines for like what its members have to maintain. Like, you have to maintain a business that is doing a million dollars or more a year. Like, each of these last successive years, like, if you missed revenue marks for a year, They'd be like, okay, well, maybe you can get back in next year, but they're pretty stringent about that kind of stuff. So they went out and they interviewed CEOs of organizations that fit all of these criteria. And they would send you a packet, you would fill it out before the show, you would come onto the show, they would, you know, both interview you, and then they would take you to lunch afterwards mm -hmm. and basically just make the introduction to their businesses and like, if you ever need us. And so they landed deals as a result of this. And the podcast was a way for them to generate new business leads for their insurance and real estate companies respectively. Yeah. Um, but you know, my dad was always more of the broadcaster out of that duo. And I think he enjoyed it for the sake of doing it as well as, you know, saw 
probably podcast numbers, listens, analytics like that go up as well as, you know, there were some deals that came through as a result of the show yeah, um, or strengthened, you know, his ability to call back on somebody or whatever the case may be. Um, so he had said, I want to put this either on hiatus or if you want to take it over, like, let me know. Mm-hmm. And I was just like floored because, you know, he had interviewed, I think at the end, like 210 CEOs of, you know, some pretty major like it was funny, like when he first started, it was like, oh, you know, no shade, but <laughs> here's a nobody. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he interviewed me on one of his first ones and it was for a, they actually broke their criterion to interview us, which was very gracious of them at the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, he had 210 episodes with, you know, increasingly more high profile people. Like I always would tell him, like, as the show would go on, like I would see it posted from accounts that were not only his or the shows it was like other organizations other you know sometimes it would i would see the the interview come across and be like oh wow like i actually need to catch up on them because i'm about to do a deal in that segment or whatever so ultimately i said no because i didn't know how to i didn't know what the goal was for improvement like i didn't know how to take it from like a before to it was imperative for me to have an after that would make him proud you know, and for me to say, hey, like this really awesome uh, brand or series that you started, like I've been able to like take it and do even better with it. At, but you started it always, you know, yeah. and I didn't know what that success formula looked like. And I was coming from such such a kind of grunge bootstrap mentality within the startup world that I was like, you know, this is to produce like I want to just get two mics and see how we can do this. So. Right. So here we are now. Now you're interviewing me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bring back my watch, dad. <laughs> watch out next level. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs> I'm on a new level. Um, dude, uh, I got YouTube Music app this week. Yeah. I don't know if you've messed with this, but I remember saying on last week's podcast that I hadn't Shazammed anything with Future in it. But I yeah. think he has a new album or something. A recent album because I was listening to some of his new tracks and they were dope. Really? Yes. Well, I haven't listened to it. Cool. While we're on the tangent of music, yeah. Have you heard any news about Drake lately? No. You haven't? Wait, no. wait. He got booed off something. He actually. got booed off stage. I can't flog now. Yeah. Will you tell me about this? Because yeah. So Camp Flognaw is a music festival. Um, it's kind of like one of those bougie music festivals. Like uh, fire. Or... Uh, just like Coachella, I guess. Uh, it's like less than Coachella, but okay. So it was headlined by um, Tyler, the creator of Odd Future. And um, before the show, Tyler, the creator had said there was going to be a special guest. And like, so he came out with like the flyer or the poster or whatever. And it just said special guest, question mark, question mark, question mark. And Tyler, the creator being from Odd Future, do you have a guess of who people thought it might've been? Okay. I don't. (laughs) Then I'm going to tell you. People or everybody there was assuming that it would be Frank Ocean. Why? Because he was also in Odd Future and him and Tyler are good friends. So Flogna is Tyler the Creator's uh, festival? I don't know if it's his festival. I just know he was the headliner this year at the festival. Is his name, is there a comma in it? Tyler, comma, the creator? Yes. Okay. That. That throws it off for headlines for me. I'm like, <laughs> what, what is the punctuation here? So he's headlining it and he... 
So on the posters, all the collateral for the the festival or whatever, they were saying and special guest question yeah, mark question yeah, mark yeah. question mark. And so, you know, I didn't know about Frank Ocean's past with him. I thought oh, Frank yeah, Ocean yeah. had always been like a solo act. No, 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 no. He he gained a lot of gar- garner for uh, sorry being that an odd future man. that underground stuff. I say underground like you know if it's not banging in the club or on top 40 or i guess the beat or something i don't come across it as much as you do it's okay man uh my bad for not showing uh you, you show me the way baby feature on itunes back in 2010 um <laughs> yeah you were deleting your <laughs> yeah, music I, database I, I know I, I must have deleted their album right before you could have witnessed to me but you chose to hide your light <laughs> under a bushel mm. anyway the surprise guest comes out it happens to be drake you would assume that everybody's going to be really happy about this. So he's out here, uh, you know, doing his thing. I think he's performing stuff from his album, take care, which is his second studio album. And, um, odd choice. Well, I mean, it's one of his most, I mean, if, if, if we're going off of like his, um, best if received, albums, you let me, all right. Is that, is that off that album? Yes. Okay. With the Rihanna song. Yeah. Take care, man. He's got so many hits. Dude. He does. Um, so he ended up, performing uh feel no ways which i think is off of more life but i could be wrong um and he just starts getting booed off stage and he actually handles it really well he's like listen um i'm here to perform for you guys if you want me to stick around i will and like they continue booing he's like all right guys like i hope you have a great night thanks for having me out and he bounces like it, you know and with meme culture it comes across as like funny and it's like oh man like he got booed off stage and everything and um it but in actuality i think he held it like i think he was really professional about it um i think he did a great job of if you know not like like he didn't like curse them out and say well screw you guys and like you know drop the mic or anything like you know he handled it professionally and just left and uh tyler the creator actually had like a series of tweets uh after the show just like kind of telling the fans like Man, like it was my dream to have Drake out there. Like I was WTF, so happy. WTF, fam. Yeah, like I was so happy to have them out. He was supposed to play Hotline Bling next. Like I, that, that's my jam. Like I wanted to hear that. Why were they booing? Because they are entitled kids who were expecting Frank Ocean and didn't get what they wanted. But they didn't start booing until multiple songs into his set. No, no they were booing from the start, and oh. and really, apparently, it was only like towards the front of the crowd. Uh, there were reports saying it wasn't like the entire crowd, but there was like a section. How many people were there? Uh, like thousands, right? Yeah. Something like that. I just have a hard time understanding all of this. Like I didn't even click in. I think I saw it on Twitter explore, but, um, I guess if they were expecting Frank Ocean, that's fine. But arguably, and maybe this is like audience specific, but Drake is a much larger name than Frank Ocean is. Yeah, I mean, Frank Ocean, he's definitely more niche. And I would say that his albums are more critically acclaimed. However, just as far as star power and, you know, accolades, Drake takes the cake easily. He's, you know, one of the best selling artists of all time. Yeah, I mean, you talk about streams, uh, albums sold, different things like that. Like with Drake, we're talking in the billions. And with Frank Ocean, we're definitely talking in the millions. Right. And so this happened, I believe, on Sunday. And so on Monday, um, Drake actually got on Instagram and he posted a a picture of him while he was at the camp. And uh, his caption was plot twist. 
just signed a 10-year residency at Camp Flognaw. Sorry, kids. See you every single year till you're 30. Oh, wow. So I actually thought he'd, you know, he played it off. He's a comedian, a too. He he's funny. Man, he's his, a good his, actor. Yeah, whenever he's on SNL. Yes. Renaissance job. man, man. Yeah. And uh, his music videos. I like him. Yeah. You know, everybody likes him. I found out that my mother likes him. Really? Because of the way he looks. Oh, well. He <laughs> she was good. like, um, I guess my sister was going to a Drake concert one time, and I, my mom texted her and my sister was showing me a text or something and she was like, you didn't tell me Drake looked like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, he used to be kind of a scrawny dude, but he's really bulked up now. No, he's, he's, he's a good looking guy. Yeah. His beard connects now. So. <laughs> his beard connects. Yeah. Um, that's wild though. That's definitely consummate performer is the, uh, the term that you would use there for right. somebody that handles that. Well, um, yeah, I don't know why there was all the hate, but it definitely generated a lot of news. It seemed like, and something that I saw today was, Kodak Black sentenced to 46 months in the federal pen mm. for guns or something. Uh, I, I, one of my students like saw a tweet during lunch or something and said something about it, but I, I don't have a whole lot of information on that. So I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It just happened like today. Okay. So the Drake thing was Sunday, Monday, it sounds like, mm. um, those, those festivals, that's a big money making opportunity for, uh, all these stars, like with Jay Z branding Made in America, like that yeah. whole festival series up in like Philadelphia or New York, or whatever. I remember that was happening back in the day when I lived on the East Coast, and that was a big deal to be at Made in America. You know, that lineup that first year was insane. Yes. Yeah. Any, I mean, anything Jay Z does at this point is going to be cinematic. Like, yeah. Just, Talk about goat heads. Right. He was like the main culprit in all of those conspiracy theories back in the day. And, Man, just the amount of time that we wasted listening to that crap uh, is very frustrating to me. It's one yeah. of the big beefs that I have with like, you know, going back to our whole religious conversation. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong. I'm saying that you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, it, you know? You're, <laughs> that's not even the right argument. Like, don't even try to convince us that it's satanic because you're you're fighting a losing battle there. Like, because there's not a whole lot of evidence. Just talk like if you want us to delete our music, guilt trip us into like the actual content of the songs, like, you know, just the way that they talk about women or doing drugs or whatever it might be like d you don't need to f convince us that it's satanic. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, you could argue that different even the get down booty shake music. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, even if you're raised Christian, it's like you get married at some point, right? Like you want something to get down to like, yeah, you know, as Ecclesiastes said, uh, there's a season for everything in life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite book of the Bible. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I took a class from Dr. Woolley on Ecclesiastes and, that was the best religious course I've ever taken. I was like, there's a season for everything, baby. <laughs> it's like a time to mourn, a time to weep. Well, it was uh, a time to throw up gang signs. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. Um, yeah. As evidenced by, well, Takashi 69 is getting less time than Kodak Black is getting for whatever he did. Yeah, and that's because, I mean. Because he ratted on everybody. That's right. Meanwhile, Kodak was like throwing up the gang signs on Instagram or something like He's like, I'm going to be holding it down from the real box. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, I think it's a sign of pride for him or something at this well, point. I mean, a lot of times, like, that's just another album, you know? Like, I thought he might be a girl, by the way. Uh, no. Yeah. Originally, whenever he came out, 
in like the orange jumpsuit or whatever for it's Aziz stuff. <laughs> I he, thought he might be a woman. Uh, I can see I can see where you're coming from. He he may almost look like uh I don't know. Maybe young MA. I don't know. Um uh, But yeah. Young MA. Who's that? Uh, young Ma? Yeah, it's a female rapper. Oh, okay. Um speaking of like weird male female um recording artist type stuff. Oh boy. I have as one of my notes. This is hyper local stuff. So, um Cowboys lose again to the Vikings 28-24. Yes. That was uh that was a heartbreaker. That one catch that the Viking had in the back of the end zone one-handed. Yeah. I was just like I was horrified by that. Yeah, me too. But I'm more heartbroken for Amari Cooper who man, at least 3 times just three toe touches just like he played his heart out, made some amazing catches, and then not to win at the end. And I once again blame Jason Garrett for this loss. Um, Zeke had been held all game, and we decided to run it without much time left, even though we know he's not going to like get the first down. Just ex- extremely frustrating. And the fair catch. Yeah, the fair catch. That was a big yes, like big whoopsie. Yeah. Well. I think that was what he was instructed to do, and I guess he would have been pulling an audible had he taken off. But I think the the Sunday Night Football crew, they finally said that it, there were 17 yards between him and the next closest opponent. Yeah. And I was like, man. So The play calling was just horrendous anyway. I don't really want to talk about the Cowboys because if they keep hobbling along with this, what are they, five and four now? Yes. Like, I feel like the whole Dak uh, contract talks started so glowingly where it's like he's going to make more money than anybody's ever made and now i feel like but it's every not week, like he's not performing i know i know i just feel like maybe it's not gonna be as high as they were thinking yeah, I mean, and now yeah which colin kaepernick is working out on yeah. saturday in atlanta yeah. and this isn't like they invited the entire nfl yeah uh to he's come like, watch oh, which is unprecedented. <laughs> unprecedented like they always take uh you know typically one team at a time or whatever, like I don't know if this has ever happened to where the entire NFL is asked to come watch, or like whoever's invited. I don't, I don't well, know if that's happened. If you're out of work and you're trying to have a, a showcase of your talents, you're not like only these companies need apply. You know, you're yeah, but I he's, think it's al- an he's open also call. I don't he's also the- played enough to where there's a lot of game footage. Like not much has happened since you stopped playing. Like you don't need. It doesn't need to be that huge of an event, I don't think, for everyone to come watch him. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I'm really over uh, the whole drama to do with him because I can't. I like I. He can take a knee, dude. Yeah. Like the, the people that fought and died for that flag did it so that he they could fought take for that a right. knee. You know, like, and I've always disagreed with Trump getting involved with this from multiple angles. Uh, yeah. Number one being. You know, you can be whatever you want to be in America. You can stand up, kneel down, whatever you want. Yeah. Also, uh, don't mess with private enterprise. Um, technically, the NFL or you know, they're private clubs. Uh, you can have different rules on a per team basis. And ultimately, I think it highlights the larger kind of expose that is how much these big sports leagues are co-opt and funded by the armed military branches. Mm. Like the army, the air force, the Navy, all of these, um, 
all of these units, they heavily advertise. They use a lot of their marketing and advertising dollars specifically to target ball ball going crowds, you know? Right. Um, the, the military with, uh, why are they always in the field? Why are there always flags unfurled? Yes, part of it is just like the patrioticness of it and the fact that, you know, especially with baseball and football, like yeah. things that are played on grass to the most. America. Yeah, it's. And with hockey and stuff, you're doing the Canadian anthem a lot of the time as well as the American yeah. anthem. But we got to face the fact that the army has given a lot of taxpayer dollars to these big sports leagues. And then so it's hard to see, like, there's a lot of conflict of interest with all of this different stuff. Right. And then when Nike gets involved with the sponsorship deals, like. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll, I'll point out about it, my only point that I want to make is he decided to kneel to also still pay res- respect in his regards to the veterans. Like he could have just sat in his chair or whatever, but he decided to kneel because he felt that was still respectful, but that he also wanted to, you know, point out some of the flaws and like the reasons for standing for the flag. Or at least so I read. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really, like I said, he can do whatever he wants. Like I don't really have any ill will towards Colin Kaepernick. I think that Trump has mishandled that. I think that the whole, like, if you kneel for the flag, like the vice president's going to leave the game. I think all of that is crap. It's like, Quit wasting my taxpayer dollars to fly over to a game that you're going to leave early because somebody knelt for the national anthem or the flag or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think all of that is crap. Um, I, I don't have enough information to comment or speculate on any of the sponsorship deals with like Nike where they took the flag off. The, there's some old Betsy Ross flag or something that um, they were going to do that limited edition of and they ended up shelving that product because it was racist or it went back to you know, too much of America's roots or something like that. But in the latest, this actually affects the Cowboys too and the NFL. So do you know who's supposed to do the Cowboys halftime show on Thanksgiving? No. Ellie Goulding. Really? Yeah. Who like her? I like, yeah, (laughs) she's got, uh, I think you and Stacy can attest to, uh, she did that one song that I just played on repeat for about three weeks there. Um, so check this out. She's gearing up to do the Dallas Cowboys halftime show, which you know that all of that in here in the Dallas area, especially is heavily sponsored and co-op by Dallas Salvation Army or the right. Salvation Army. They do the red kettle stuff. Zeke got yeah, fined for jumping in, in it. Yeah. And then he matched the fine with donations. Like they've had a lot of great, you know, buzz. They're the people with the, the jangle bells out in front of the mall, you right. know, all of that. Uh, they, I guess they help you know, homeless people or underprivileged communities, whatever it is that they do. Um, you know, I haven't taken, taken advantage of their services here recently, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so as a, as a way to like kind of catch up on the mission of the Salvation Army, Ellie Goulding went to a shelter or like a soup kitchen or whatever she did for Salvation Army. Oh. And she posted on Instagram, like this real heartfelt message about, Oh, loved giving time to the Salvation Army. Can't wait to perform. You know, here's me behind the scenes, like actually doing something for the charity before I just go out and sing for the okay. the halftime show. Well, the SJWs on Instagram apparently just started commenting and they were like, wow, why would you uh, volunteer for such a homophobic organization? And so upon some further research, I guess that the Salvation Army had taken some traditionally uh, biblical views on marriage, on same-sex marriage, on homosexuality, different things to that extent. As recently as 2013, I think it was in their, I don't know, their terms of service or disclaimer right. or whatever that they had certain stances or beliefs as a Christian organization or whatever yeah. they are. So they're like the Chick-fil-A of charities. Yeah. Got so, it. 
they can't help people if they don't think a certain way. But anyway, uh, so she starts getting all of this hate online and is now like claiming that unless the NFL and the Salvation Army explicitly does all of this stuff specifically for the LBGTQ community that she's pulling out of the performance next week or in two weeks. So in, in doing charity and getting ready for a big career making move, like, you know, I've seen Beyonce, Lady Gaga, all sorts of people do the halftime show for Super Bowl, Cowboys, Thanksgiving, Jonas brothers. Yeah. Like uh, Jessica Simpson, like a lot of different big stars. And for her to just based off Instagram comments, because she went to a soup kitchen and gave meals away. Hmm. But because that underlying organization, I, I don't know. Thoughts on this as cancel culture, man. Like in a way, this is just real. You, you think like she's the, genuine about like, I didn't know this, like upon further review of well, the charity I'm embedding I mean, I myself with. I didn't know about it. I didn't. And like, you just think just you, to you clarify, just think you're doing a good thing, right? They did. They did come out and say, hey, like our work benefits like the LGBTQ community. Like they're not discriminating. Yeah, no, no, no. But I don't even know like where in their literature it was found that they had more traditional views on some of that stuff. And Yeah, I mean, whenever you're trying to do good for a group of people, I, I doubt you're going through and making sure like, okay, where are the skeletons in this organization's closets? And I don't know. I get. I guess in the in a PC world, like people are expecting you to do your homework. But whenever you're talking about the Salvation Army, it's the Salvation Army. Yes. Yeah. Whenever you're talking about them, like you you don't expect to get any backlash for helping them out. So, uh, like, and yet, what's on every street corner? A Catholic church. <laughs> do we say anything? No. no. <laughs> like no shade, but they are the largest historical institutionalized rape factory ever and we hate you no we don't hate them come on well i we hate we people hate. that abused people yeah. um that's who i was talking about specifically we can't say that we hate Not, all Cath- no, 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 i have sorry. a lot of catholic friends and agreed people that you know i know that there's catholics that don't condone that that have never done that Absolutely. that may have even fallen victim to that that still one the the jesus message and i apologize if that came Um, across like i was throwing shade at them and ultimately at the same time if we're looking at this longer term historical i'm not excusing anybody's actions but i gotta think that if you're abusing people in a vow of celibacy what happened to you as a kid right were you brought up in the same system generational generational like was this done to you did you think that this was normal were you being counseled by all of your peers that this was a normal avenue to you know tamp down some of the feelings that you would normally have and you can't because you've taken a vow of celibacy or whatever. Right. I don't know. Like that Catholic church one is difficult, man. Cause I watched spotlight and when they figured yeah, out, same. I'll never forget the scene where they they're doing the math and they're figuring out based on the moving around of the priests that yes, they were like, no, no, no. At, they were like, how many cases do you have? And they were like, we think this many. Yeah. I can't remember the number, but. It was it, yeah, it was at least four digits, I think, yeah. uh, just in that, you know, parish. And I heard something on AM radio here in the DFW market the other day about a local parish that had been under review or or whatever. I don't know if it's called a parish or a local church. Okay. Um, yeah, I, that one is weird, man. Yeah, I really have extreme difficulties with that one. Um, I grew up next to 
a Catholic family that they all went to private Catholic school and never forget around 13, uh, I'd been good friends with the son and he just kind of started getting weird on me hmm. and like poking me with pencils and stuff. And now he's happily married to uh, another man oh. and you know, he was an altar boy and I'm not alleging that anything occurred, but you know, after growing up and learning about all these scandals and what's occurred and then comparing it with, you know, like your own experience with Catholic friends and different things like, I don't know. It's terrible. Yeah. Because how many cases have been unreported there, dude? I'm I mean, that's sh- I'm sure one of the quite biggest, a, quite a bit. There's so many like sexual conspiracies like that. Like I watched a full 60 minute Australia expose of Jeffrey Epstein last night mm. and was, he still didn't kill himself by the way. Yeah, no, I mean, and it sounds like it, uh, <laughs> sounds like the likeliest culprit would be royalty like yeah uh this prince andrew stuff like i i think it's pretty generally accepted at this point that so the girl that was the main focal point interview of this 60 minute australia special was trafficked not only to epstein but also to prince andrew Mm. she has specific times she is she's the one in the picture with prince andrew got it the the still photo where he's younger uh, she was trafficked to him three times, she said. Wow. So, and can like describe everything. and That's sickening. Yeah. Apparently, uh, there's nine victims now being represented by an attorney in New York that has basically said that if he ever tries to leave the country, uh, if Prince Andrew ever tries to leave the UK, and please. if he comes down to uh, America, for instance, that uh, he would likely be served a subpoena. And the reporter would seem pretty skeptical on that. She was like, really? You really think that would happen? Um, they're royalty, you know, like right. they were they're basically above the law in many ways. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I haven't heard. The, the weird thing to me is that you don't hear about it in the mainstream media. Like nobody's talking about it. Nobody's wanting answers or anything. Nope. They, I mean, they're moving on to the next, you know, news article. Kodak Black or whoever it might be, like they're you know they're moving on. What a like, dumb news story too, compared yeah, to that one. Like I know this one is so much more significant. And- but I mean, we just get that's. I feel like it's somewhat related, like as far as like the cancel culture and like Ellie Golding, like all of these things are making news headlines. It's so hard to keep up, and you know it's like okay, well that's the scandal of the week. What's happening next? What's happening next? What's happening next? And. Uh, it, it just uh, it takes validation out of the actual news stories that that matter. I mean, case in point, Brad, we're an hour and a half into this podcast and the president started getting impeached today publicly. <laughs> like yeah. today was the, the kickoff day. Yes. And I spent a good portion of the day glued to that. Um, yeah, I tried to keep up. Um, I, I uh, some of my students were taking a test and so i put the video up and was trying to read the captions as it was going on but um what was your biggest takeaway from what you saw oh man i don't even know that it's a it's a partisan affair do you think they provide enough evidence for him to be impeached or do you like what i was seeing was a lot of uh second third fourth fifth hand conversations uh, without like a lot of damning evidence no, yeah, I mean that that was an overall impression that I got was that, um, and it's hard because the Republicans just seemed like uh, some of them seemed incensed, and then some of the Democrats just seemed so like 
can we get President Trump on this little thing? Like, yeah. you know, like of all the things that he's done, I think that this was probably a technical infraction that they stumbled upon and wanted to utilize for the impeachment. But I think a lot of things were called into account with the whistleblower and the fact that only Adam Schiff knows who the whistleblower is. Like, right. there's one member of Congress out of 435 representatives that have the identity and all of the meetings, all the notes, all the coordination, like here, the Republicans are good at like muddying the water, if nothing else. Right. Like, do we know that Trump is guilty of probably this and a billion other things? Of course, you know, like I, same as I would expect Hillary to be guilty of a billion different things. Like I actually don't think that you can get to the top of the world without making decisions where there's, collateral damage where you know either a market falls or uh, a tyranny crumbles or uh whatever the case may be like because ultimately if when you look at your job and how many students you graduate each year or whatever your metrics are if you had four or five underperforming students out of 20 you know maybe you'd be considered a good teacher or something like that if you had 15 standouts whereas if she's if hillary's managing however many consulates or whatever and one of them gets attacked because she didn't you know give them appropriate resources or whatever statistically over her larger grand career she's doing a great job she's probably doing a great statistical job but when people's lives hang in the balance you know you can't help but to have blood on your hands at a certain point yeah. when you're at the top of the world right so you know is he worthy of being impeached probably who knows everybody probably is you know like uh, the amount of stuff that they've raked out about Joe Biden's son, it's been effect. I don't know what to think anymore, dude. Like, ultimately, I think that they're going to, you know, go up and down the aisles and stomp and holler and do all of this and that he is not going to be removed. You know, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be removed. And yeah, I think some of he my students re-election. were asking me if, if I thought he was going to be impeached. And I said, at this point, probably not. Like, if people are wanting him out of office they're gonna have to go vote and there's vote people like i know that jim jordan um he kind of seems like a little bit too homespun for me like a little bit too radical maybe okay but he is definitely he's the guy with that never has the suit jacket on he's yeah. always like just tying the the button down mm-hmm. um so it looks like he's been studying you know <laughs> right like, yeah yeah <laughs> he always looks like he's doing homework and he's been yeah. prepping for this <clears throat> excuse me so he brought up a great line of questioning that ultimately it was kind of like, why are we here today? You know, like, you know, he's like, so none of y'all talked to the president. None of y'all were on the call. None of y'all have any firsthand information about anything. Like he literally read a transcript at one point where the transcript was talking about how this message went from this guy to this guy, back to this guy, right. over to this guy. I think that's the part where I tuned in. Like just oh. if you listen to that and that only, it sounds like a, a fiasco and something that's being engineered by the Democrats. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure they have impeachable offenses. I don't even know if those are the ones that they're leading with at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like, so I don't know, dude. It, it's obvious that Will Hurd had a great line of questioning that, uh, you know, we'd been assisting uh, both defense and like, you know, monetarily uh, the Ukraine for basically ever since Trump had been president. And the funny part was that Barack wouldn't give them missiles. He wouldn't give them the javelins or anything like that. And so you know, Russia was more easily able to invade them. And then the minute Trump comes in, he's actually given them the assistance that they needed and then asked them for this favor, even though apparently they're ranked number three by like KPMG. KPMG ranked them like the third most corrupt, like (laughs) system, like business 
political system in the yeah. world. So I don't even know. I, I could write the movie where Trump has been mislabeled, you know, slandered, all of this stuff. And like he wants to go over to the Ukraine and expose this overall. It's like a Gerard Butler movie <laughs> where everybody in the government is corrupt and he's the only one if you only believed him. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like Trump is in that delusion. Like he's Gerard Butler. And like he believes he's Gerard Butler. Yeah. Like he believes that. Yeah. Like I, I sometimes I think he really believes that this stuff was a hoax and that there's stuff on a Ukrainian server that would exonerate maybe his efforts or would at least show uh, duplicate efforts by the opposing forces, the opposing party. Yeah. I don't know. But. I don't know. It, it's not going to work, you know, like, I don't know. They're all just getting sound bites so that, you know, de- depending on who said it, Fox is going to snip it up or CNN is going to snip it up or MSNBC is going to snip it up. And I don't even know. They said that this is, isn't it supposed to go on for like several weeks. Yeah, I believe so. And I faintly remember watching some of the Bill Clinton ones when I was a child. I was probably eight years old uh-huh. and because it was about, you know, sexual impropriety. I think that some people were a little bit more sheltered from it. Like it wasn't. Yeah. If that was the scandal of today. Well, yeah, Trump provided right. more than enough fodder for there to be sexual impropriety. And yep. the Stormy Daniels stuff, the uh, I thought they might get him on the campaign finance seems to be this catch all where it's like, hey, if you're running for office and you move any of your money around anywhere, campaign finance, yeah. you know, <laughs> It's just anybody that's moving at breakneck speed within a business scenario or a campaign scenario, they're going to topple some rules and regulations, you know, like you got to expect that. Right. How many laws did you break just coming over here to Dallas today? Uh, you got here I, in like at least 50 minutes. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably rolled through a stop sign. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts or insight on, I guess, the impeachment stuff based on what you saw? Uh, like I said, I, I only got to catch like a very small snippet and it's basically where, you know, I was talking about uh, the third, fourth, fifth hand conversations and nobody having like any firsthand evidence uh, to impeach him. So um, that being said, that's that's not enough to get him out of office, in my opinion, regardless of my thoughts on him. Um, like if. If he's done all these terrible things, then somebody's got to step up and be like, listen, I'm the one who heard him or had this discussion with him, like check the phone records, do whatever it takes. Uh, but but nobody's done that. And it's just like, oh, well, I heard from so and so who heard from so and so. So I, I wish that we could just play it out and say, let's say that there was a total quid pro quo that he was withholding military aid from you know, uh, a very like, like somebody that really needed it for personal political gain. Let's say that he did all that. Like, let's just have the vote today. Like, you know, do you think that that may have ever happened in the past? Sure. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. If I had to guess, I bet we did it, (laughs) you know, like we have such a self-righteous view and it's like, yo, we're the country that had slaves that shipped people here that had Jim Crow and all of the stuff that's in the Dis. Like we're more mad about the re-representations of the original sins. You know what I mean? Listen to all the topics that we talked about. We talked about Disney plus and you know, the racism, 
depicted in their early films. We talked about um, Ellie Golding <laughs> trying to help, you know, Salvation Army. We talked about Colin Kaepernick taking, you know, a knee. Meanwhile, we have we have all these, you know, political candidates who have done far worse, and you know, they're picking a side just depending on which political party they stand with. And uh, it's just, it's really easy to point the finger at somebody that, you know, you're up against, but whenever it comes to, you know, actually taking blame or admitting that you're at fault, then all of a sudden uh, you've done no wrong. We just forget where we're at in history because everybody's saying this is the most corrupt and amoral president of all time. But, presidents used to own slaves like you know literally like i when america was formed initially all of those customs and practices had been that way from the beginning of time in fact there's still slavery today you know we've seen live slave auctions in libya for instance right i'm sure that there's slaves in america to people said that jeffrey epstein had slaves to a certain extent so slavery is still alive and well but, you know, in terms of setting up a, a playing field for continued expansion and improvement and progressive ideas winning out and having a true democracy, you know, the American forefathers set up a really unique thing that the world has never seen. And we're not perfect by any means. Like we're as flawed. We, we let a genocide of this, you know, land, essentially of the people that ran this land yeah. and then shipped in people from Africa and enslaved them and then kept them here and subjugated them to all of these negative things. And even to this day, if you're pulled over by a police officer, I have a totally different experience as a white man than I'm sure black friends of mine do. Right. And I mean, that sucks, you know, it's terrible. And I'm not even, I'm not even black saying that like I'm the privileged one in this scenario. And I hate that anyone feels that way. And I hope that we get past all of that. Um, but I mean, that was three people ago, dude. Like if you have a, my granddaddy who passed away earlier this year, he was born in like 1924, you know, like his dad, everybody wants to do their 23 in me up until a certain (laughs) point, because tell me what my granddaddy did all day. I think he was a hero. Don't tell me what his granddaddy did, mm-hmm. you know, because his granddaddy was probably born in 1805. Like, yeah. I don't want to know. I'm with you. <laughs> you know I'm what I mean? You. Yeah. Like, same. You don't want to open up. I don't know. You're only responsible for your behavior. I'm only responsible for my behavior. Right. But we can have the compassion of understanding, you know, historically, you, maybe this maybe this population feels more disenfranchised with this scenario than we would. Yeah. And just because it's not directly affecting you doesn't mean it's not actually going on. Like, stop trying to discredit people who are living that and just being like, oh, well, you know, they're they're just making that up or that's not actually how it is or so-and-so isn't racist or, you know. It, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I, I'm just tired of seeing so many people being discredited just because uh, the person discrediting them hasn't gone through the same experience. Sure. And just the overall cancel culture and the fact that we can only enjoy someone's art or anything that they've ever created, if they've never said anything terrible, if they've never tweeted anything shady at all. Like Walt Disney, on the one hand, write a biography about the man. Visionary, entrepreneur, creative. The the brands that he's built have produced billions in market cap and 
tens of thousands of jobs all over the world. On the other hand, racist misogynist, racist misogynist, specifically anti-Semite. Yep. You know, he's putting things into the Dumbo video and the, but it was 1941. Apparently, I yeah. I was thinking that it was like 1990 for some nah, reason. Man. Like maybe they've remade that that flick more times than I'm even aware of. But yeah, total anti-Semite. Yep. Um, you know, like what are you gonna do at a certain point? You're never gonna listen to a Michael Jackson song again. I know nobody's listening to R. Kelly anymore. That that one seems to be a global acceptance yeah. that, and maybe his catalog isn't as great as Michael Jackson's, obviously, but you know. How do you, I, where do you stand on all of that? Like we keep throwing everybody out with the bathwater and I think that we need to be judicious and we don't need to promote yeah. certain people, but. So, I mean, I'm with you, like as far as R. Kelly, the, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's been like so much evidence that he for sure did it. Um, with Michael Jackson, typically the people that have come and, you know, made those allegations um, later on, they've been caught in lies and different things like that. So. Uh, yeah, I don't listen to R. Kelly, but to be honest, I didn't listen to him as much beforehand. Yeah, I've always listened to Michael Jackson, and there hasn't been enough evidence for me to stop listening to him. Like, <laughs> I'm listen, man. I'm just saying, like, you're like I watched the interview. I can still listen. I, I watched the. I did watch the interviews, and then I you, know, you watched the HBO doc. Yes, I didn't watch it. I did, and they are not telling the same stories that they've told in the past. And it's also come out that some of the points that they made were straight up lies. I think it was even their mom that came out and said that some of the stuff that they were saying wasn't true. Um, I'll, I'll have to fact check myself after this podcast, but um, I think he probably had inappropriate in that they were a, I mean, atypical he, relationships he, with the young yeah. men. And that is undisputed. We can get into any mom that, about that disputes too. allegations. Like it's like, well, what were you doing? Letting your kid run all over Neverland with this creep at the same yeah. time. I don't, I didn't watch the doc. In some ways, his prominence was almost before my time in certain ways. Like, yeah. I remember coming of age when he was dying. Yeah, you know, like he, was, being, he was already the king of pop. Yes, you know, he had time. been. Right. Yeah, he'd been there, done that. And I don't want to debate each of these individually. It's just that no, we're just all human. We're all areas. flawed. Like, people have messed up. Ellie Golding is just trying to help a shelter or a charity, you know? Like, my goodness. And yet at the same time... I see what the SJWs talk about when they're like all of culture and institutions is patriarchal and flawed because when, if you, if you're a, if you're what you feel to be a little person in this world, if you're um, just, you, you're small okay. and you're not powerful and you see Salvation Army and the red kettles and everybody out jangling the bells and Zeke jumping in the bucket and Ellie Golding coming through town, but you're gay and you feel like they discriminate against you. Yeah, I could see why. Wow, even the systems that were set up as auxiliary vehicles to do good. Like, we didn't have to set this up. We yeah. set it up, and now it has a viewpoint that may be contradictory with what's in now or generally accepted now. I could see why you would feel that way in many ways. And I agree, and that's totally valid. I think, like, my viewpoint is you have to understand that not everyone knows everything. Like, I don't know every single corporation and all the wrong that they've done like you can't just assume that ellie golding or or the next person whoever's helping out with any charity knows everything about their past and i, I don't know do you think that we should look into every single thing that we support 
um, from the conception uh, of that entity? Like, is that something that we need to do? I'll tell you this. If you do, if you do start to go down that path, you're not going to be supporting a lot of people. Well, you won't be able to eat anymore. You won't be able to listen to music anymore. You won't be able to watch films anymore. Um, I mean, the the amount of like environmental injustices probably produced as a result of factory farming and whether you're, even if you're a vegetarian, you're eating insects that are ground up into these these meals and these uh, grains and all of this stuff. You're displacing natural habitats like we are responsible for offsetting something, you know, like we contribute to global warming, climate change to, you know, logging timber, all of the different things that are occurring. And, you know, who's to say that it hasn't already all happened, you know, many times over, there's been global ice ages that have resulted in global floods that have led to periods of extreme warming. Yeah. Like I've heard it, you know, talked about a billion different ways, but I see your overall point and, I don't know. It's just hard to keep track. And I don't know if there's a right answer. Like we're not going to solve the world's problems tonight. <laughs> like it, it just gets so exhausting. And I, I, it just goes back to the cancer culture and just seeing, you know, from Drake being booed off stage, trying to, you know, just surprise some guests and, you know, Ellie Golding. And then, you know, um, what, what was another point that we had made? I don't know. Just we're just so spoiled that the yeah. fact that it's not Frank Ocean, it's Drake. We're like, boo. Yeah. And it just goes back to my point as far as just trying to point out like the actual negative things that are going on in our world. And like a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. Now that Ellie Golding knows um, about Salvation Army or, you know, she's she's trying to make a difference and saying that all that money is going to go support. Uh, LGBT and like you know she's done her due diligence so hopefully she doesn't catch any more flack for that but at the same time I don't think she should have garnered all that hate to begin with like you can hold that conversation without well and unless the person commenting saying hey screw you for volunteering for a bigoted organization unless they were also volunteering for a non-bigoted organization yeah, at the time done? of posting you were on your butt you were on the couch like at least she was out doing something. And it, it begs the question of, um, you know, I want to be an impactful person from the perspective of this many lives touched or this many jobs created or, you know, large swath metrics that you can measure and like yeah. be proud of. And so there are certain people that are in this world to make each individual's life better. You know, right? I view the the powerful CEO or the the artist or whoever might be a little bit more of a pill, but as a result of the wake that they're creating, they're creating market cap, they're creating opportunities, they're feeding families, whatever they're doing. Like we all have different roles in life and society. And when you think about, okay, what's the plan here? You're going to boycott Salvation Army. What about, you know, then I could run a news story that says, you know, 34 million meals that would have been served hot to the homeless population exactly. in these markets weren't served because you know, uh, the toppling of whatever, like I could skin it however I needed to. And that's ultimately, that's what we're selling to each other. And with clickbait culture, I literally saw a clickbait from Today Show, a shame on Today Show this week. They had this story and the thumbnail was like this really exclusive drive with like, 
you know, all these garages and this big, huge clubhouse. And like, it screamed white privilege golf course type situation. And the headline was, um, woman, uh, woman seeking damages after, uh, restaurant spills wine on her $60,000 bag. Wow. Uh, restaurant says waiter to blame. And I was like, what are you doing with this whole, this is a waste of everyone's time. First yep. of all, this isn't news. No one cares. She can obviously get a new one if she has it. You know, if she's spending yep. $60,000 on a purse, no big whoop. And that's a dumb purchase at the same time. But it's just stirring this like whole aura of wealth gap, inequality, polarization that we're experiencing in the country today. And I don't find it helpful. Yeah, there's just so much gray area. And it's like, you've helped certain people, you've hurt others. A lot of people are just trying their best and trying to do good in the world. And uh, unfortunately, we we live in that culture where things need to go viral and we need clickbait. And this needs to get so many views in order for us to keep uh, collecting revenue. And so we, ha we have to produce these headlines in order for someone to click on our page. And so they're coming out with stupid stories like that. And so it's just, I don't know, it's that's infuriating to me and it's just, it's like it's just really sad to be honest yeah it just always has to be a rivalry too like i wish that we could be more in the the game of net positives um you know somebody doesn't have to lose for you to win we yeah. can all win and so anyway just show me how to be better you know like yeah. don't reprimand me i i didn't i didn't have all the answers to begin with show me the light show me the way and hopefully I'll be better. And if I choose not to after that, then let's have a conversation. Um, well, and to the left, like if you were slightly less annoying about it along the journey, like a lot of us agree, so more receptive a it. lot of us agree with your overall sentiment or the point. If you would just, you know, quit whining about it in the way that you do, like, I don't know. It comes, sometimes I think people would rather support Republicans simply because, they don't agree with all the same sentiments or anything, but at least they're not a wimp while they're doing it. Like yeah. at least, you know, it, it's not just this whiny little, right. that's just my overall impression when I hear some of these people. And there's people on both sides of the aisle that I love and hate, no shade, but all the shade, baby, <laughs> all the shade, but it's usually more based around their ability to convey information and like their message, the way that they deliver things and the way yeah. that it, it's like what I say, with Van Jones when he's like, Hey, don't be a crybaby and whine about petroleum and natural gas and all of this stuff is killing the environment. Reskin it with, we need to w lead the world with wind and solar and like these renewable yeah. sources of energy, like position it differently, like position it from a source of enablement and empowerment and, you know, can do attitude and like coming up off of one another and like helping That's one right. another rather than we need to reappropriate these funds or we need to redistribute this wealth. Yeah. I'm just getting over some of that, dude. Phrasing and tone is everything. It's so everything. Iowa caucuses are less than three months away. We're like 80 something days away from one of these candidates winning their first state. Yeah. And I think the it's what is it? Biden, Warren, Buttigieg. Buttigieg is up to like 15 yeah, percent or something. I think he might take the lead in Iowa is what they were saying. And that would be interesting because he is the gay candidate. And they're saying that if he can win in conservative Iowa, that that might just open up the floodgates yeah. for, you know, you gain a lot of momentum in these campaign processes, right. obviously. Um, in some ways, I couldn't see anyone beating Trump besides Bernie. But if 
if Buttigieg was the general candidate for the Democrats, he might be another Obama. Like he might be another magical story. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like if he got all the airtime that a Democratic nominee would, you know, but it's going to require him going on a mad tear because everybody discounted Bernie until he started winning states right. or at least checking Hillary Clinton with like, you know, getting almost half of the vote or whatever. You're right. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. I don't know. We'll it'll, see how it goes. Interesting. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll all get better. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to. <laughs> we're That's just, the spirit. Everything is becoming more fragmented with the audience, like all the platforms that we're talking about. You know, yeah. some people will purposefully boycott Disney because of these racist sentiments and they'll sign up for Netflix because and then somebody will do the same thing for Netflix. Yeah. But, and then you also have historians who are like, it would be disingenuous to uh, get rid of those like you should use them as teaching points and how like far our country has come and, and different things like that so there's always like varying opinions and it's like not one of them is absolute in, in their correctness no or anything like that and, and it's not just racism like going back to like even programs in like the 40s 50s 60s 70s uh, to the moon, Alice. Like yeah, women's roles. Women's roles. Like they would just get slapped in the face, dude. Yeah. Like punched in the face, pretty much. And threats of domestic violence and all sorts of stuff. Yes, sir. I don't know. All right, man. Uh, what do you got on your horn the rest of the week? On my horn the rest of the week. <laughs> on your horn. Um, celebrating my girlfriend Courtney's birthday. Oh, is she a Scorpio. Um, yeah. Nice, fellow Scorpio. Um, so we're gonna celebrate it a little early, and then. Uh, I'm just kind of hanging out this weekend, getting ready to celebrate your birthday next week. Yeah, boy. Yes, 30. How about you? Uh, just have more interviews to close out the rest of the week and trying to stay warm, get over this cold or whatever we have yeah, man. going on. NyQuil day two today. So, All right. yeah, man, just getting the job and getting ready for the holiday season. Got Got a bunch of stuff coming up that we'll have to coordinate. Family coming in and out of town. So going to try to see all of them. But... In the interim, um, hope everyone stays safe, stays yeah. warm, gets over their colds. Great conversation tonight. I didn't even get through all of my bullet points. I was going to go on this long rant about In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> but uh, we'll save that for another day. Yeah, let's day. definitely <laughs> shelf the burger yeah. talk. But uh, yeah, I, man, thanks for yeah. another good weekly catch-up episode seven in the books. Of course. And once, yeah, like you said, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this one. Give us some feedback. Always love hearing from you guys about your uh, favorite portions, uh, favorite stories that you heard from us. Uh, so just keep giving us some feedback. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Carson C. Gibbons and Instagram at Carson Gibbons. You can always find the show at weeklycatchuppodcast.com. Search Weekly Catchup or Weekly Catchup Podcast in any of the major platforms where you get your podcasts. All right, guys. We thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you up next week. Thanks, everyone. We out. Bye.